Welcome to Radically Transparent, the number one podcast for the modern day marketer, presented by Octopost, the only social media and employee advocacy solution architected for B2B. Each episode shines a light on the inner workings of B2B leadership, including what keeps successful CEOs, CMOs, and VPs up at night professionally. The conversations are real, raw, and authentic, all while revealing the unfiltered, not-so-known truths of today's most interesting marketers. Introducing your host, Jennifer Gutman. Hello, marketers. I'm Jennifer Gutman, your host and director of social strategy here at Octopost. As 2021 comes to an end, this episode is a solo show, and I'll be diving into building a healthy employee advocacy program focused on who to onboard first. Now, I love the new year, and I think we can all agree we're super ready for this one and hopeful (laughs) that it won't be a repeat of 2020 and 2021. Um, But I'd also like to share that after this episode, Radically Transparent will be taking a short break for the holiday season, uh, and you will be able to catch our next new episode of Radically Transparent on January 13th. So be sure that you are subscribed uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So you will get that notification as soon as our new episode is up in the new year. We've got a lot of exciting guests uh, for 2022 lined up and I can't wait to share them with you all. So let's get radically transparent today, shall we? So to kick off, right, I've been an Octopost for almost seven years. And before becoming a fearless marketeer, if you will, I was actually in the field helping our customers launch successful employee advocacy programs and leading our customer success and sales organizations. I had the privilege of working together with an array of our customers from startup all the way to the enterprise level and rolling out successful and what I like to call meaningful ROI-driven employee advocacy programs. Now, in that role and over the last seven years, I've certainly seen a ton of successful and meaningful employee advocacy programs and to be radically transparent, I've seen some less successful rollouts. But in all of that, it was a learning uh, experience, right, for all of us involved. Uh, so in the spirit of getting radically transparent, I'm going to give you my take on who I think makes the most sense to onboard first in an employee advocacy program. And of course, if you're listening in, if you're running an advocacy program, if you are loving employee advocacy, not sure uh, where to get started or just getting started in your program, and you would like to be in touch directly, feel free to email me at jen at octopost.com to continue the conversation. So With that said, let's go ahead and get radically transparent about building a healthy employee advocacy program and who exactly to onboard first. I think all of us can agree that there is no doubt anymore. It's completely gone. There is no doubt that employees today are the strongest engine behind advocating for your brand. We see it on social. We see it in word of mouth, right? We see it in the day-to-day culture of an organization, yet one of the most puzzling questions uh, many companies come to me with as they look to embark on an employee advocacy program or looking to kind of maintain and ramp up their program is where do I start and who the heck do I onboard first? (laughs) And they're valid questions, let me tell you, because 
when you're looking at an employee advocacy program and you're looking at your organization and all the things that go into running and driving in a successful program, it's a lot. It's not easy. Um, So right by the time you've gotten to the question of who do I onboard first, most likely you've put a business case together to prove that this program is going to be successful and it's all on your shoulders. No pressure if it's not. So hopefully this episode will give some insight uh, into how and and what you can do and who you can onboard first to really establish the foundations of a strong program. So I think, you know, first things first, as with any new initiative, um, a successful program is going to rely heavily on how you roll it out and to the players involved on who you get involved in the program first, right? First impressions, they're important when it comes to employee advocacy. So when you think about transitioning employees into employee advocates in your program, it really does involve a thorough and engaging approach um, that that eventually, right, it's going to drive positive ROI. But if you don't take the moments to answer the kind of questions and really be strategic about who you're onboarding first, this may... Uh, not work so well for you in the future if you haven't examined this, right? So, well, again, I completely admit that it's easier said than done uh, to get employees onboarded and find the right advocates to who to onboard first. Um, I think that this episode will firstly hope uh, help set realistic expectations about onboarding of your advocates. And then secondly, help visualize a practical approach, um, right? To, to targeting and supporting uh, each of the players and their diverse roles in your advocacy program. So first comes first, I will say it, right? Set realistic expectations. I think so many of us marketers, we get so excited when we start building out our employee advocacy strategy and we start building out the content and thinking about the magic and the power that employee advocacy can bring to the organization, that oftentimes we forget that not everybody in our organization are social enthusiasts like ourselves. Um, And we kind of come into it with a a 100% engaged or nothing approach, meaning our goal is to get 100% of the people on board, 100% of people sharing. If somebody's not sharing, you know, we're going to go in there, make them share, and they're going to see the magic and power of it. They're going to love it so much, and they're going to start sharing, and this is going to be the best program ever. And I think when you go in with that mindset, you end up failing, right? And you fall for the myth that everyone in the company is going to share content on a regular basis. You're never going to need to remind them to share content. You're never going to need to check in. And let me tell you, that is false. When it comes to an employee advocacy program, There is no such thing, no matter what you're going to do, as 100%. And I say that, and I'm sorry if I burst any bubbles, but some employees are going to share more. Some employees are going to share less. Some may share nothing, right? It's up to you on who you're going to want in that program. But I want this episode to kind of help share and mold and shape the types of personalities or personas in your program and what you can do to perhaps help each one of those personas succeed at advocacy, right? Employee advocacy is something so unique because it really does encompass and engage and can include everybody in your organization, right? It's not just social selling that it's for just sales and it's not just for marketers, but really for a healthy program to take off, 
you're going to need to understand the culture at your organization. And you're going to want to identify and embrace the different personalities that make up your company. Now, where I usually start when I approach this piece of who to onboard first is I set up um, you know, a column or a spreadsheet or you know, a Google Doc, whatever you prefer working at. I prefer in this, in this stage, a, a Google Sheet. Um, and I ask myself three questions. The first is who's currently active on social media? And I do a little bit of an audit. Now, these, these individuals shouldn't be so hard to identify. Uh, most likely, if you hop into your LinkedIn and you know, you're connected to your fellow colleagues, you're going to see the ones that are posting more. Um, You're going to see the ones who are actively engaging with your brand, right? And you can go ahead and make a list of these active employees on social media. And that's kind of column one. Column two, when you're thinking about who to onboard first, is which team members are enthusiastic about social media, right? And this differs from question one, because I've actually, when I've been rolling out programs, I've come in contact with people who their social presence is okay. It's not as strong as someone who is quite active, but they're enthusiastic and really want to learn how they can become a a better thought leader on social media. They want more of a presence. Um, They want to strengthen their profiles across social media. And I think these are also important people to go ahead and include in your first rollout, if you will. And there may be some overlap between these two columns of individuals. And then the, the next column or the question I ask, if you will, is how will I encourage my less social employees to establish their own presence and become actively involved in the program? Now, this column, right, which I like to call less active advocates uh, when I'm doing kind of my research and initial look at who I'm going to bring in and invite to the program first. These are usually people in the organization who you know that they would have an impact on their audience if they were social, or perhaps they hold, um, maybe they're a leader in your organization, or they hold a manager level, or they have a very specific niche job at your organization that you'd like to showcase, but there are people in your organization that maybe you yourself wish were more uh, active on social media, um, but they themselves are maybe not as comfortable on it or not as active. Once I have these three columns set up and I take a look at the individuals inside of these three columns, I usually will pull between 20 to 30 into kind of that first pilot, if you will. And that first pilot, they'll get a special invitation, um, letting them know that they were chosen to be involved in this pilot. And the pilot is twofold, right? The pilot's for them to really learn and get excited about this new initiative. But it's also for you as a marketer that when you're really ready to roll out the entire program company-wide, that you have these like 20 to 30 advocates for your program and advocates for you. And they could be leaders or help their teams or whoever it may be, um, be more savvy and and be interested in employee advocacy. So in that 20 to 30, I would definitely say you're going to want to have more social, socially active participants in the pilot. Um, but this is also a way for you to understand what type of content to put on the board. And it's 
a way for you to iron out any kinks. Again, first impressions matter when it comes to employee advocacy. And especially if you've gone ahead to build a business case for your, your executive suite, that showing that you know employee advocacy can really drive ROI, you're going to want to impress everybody in round one. So definitely grab, <laughs> grab some key players for a pilot. Now, creating that healthy program. To hit the ground running, uh, like I said... I would recommend starting with that pilot, 20 to 30 people, iron out your kinks, um, figure out what kind of tone you want to take, figure out how you want to portray this, how you want to measure it, do some testing, see how often even your most engaged people on social start sharing and use that all as benchmarks. And what's interesting, right, when you do this, when you do your pilot, I think what ends up happening for most of us is even in our pilot program, we start seeing kind of a bell curve of our participants. And I've I've kind of <laughs> chunked out, if you will, each of these personas. So you have, right, your social enthusiasts. Um, these are the people in your program who literally you will give five pieces of content. They're going to ask for 10. I am an avid Zumba goer. I'm obsessed with Zumba. And I always describe my social enthusiasts as, as the, the Zumba members in my class who like run to the front of the classroom. They get there early. They're doing the moves better than the teacher. They're like going all out, right? We all know these types of people. Those are your social enthusiasts. You definitely want them in your program and you want to keep an eye out on them. The next chunk, which is when you think of a bell curve, right? Naturally, you have your average Joes, your social majority. These people in the middle, they make up, um, you know, the ones who are, you know, considered, you know, they, they're happy to share. Um, they they love where they work. They want to help people out. Um, and they have some decent following uh, on social and they see that right when the enthusiasts start sharing content and getting recognized for it, they also want to do it too. So they can, you know, uh, be great in your, in your pilot program. Um, now, again, when you're pulling your pilot together, I would really aim to get most of your social enthusiasts on board. Your social enthusiasts also, I might point out, tend to be your customer facing employees, like your sales, your marketing, your support teams, and they're already well connected uh, to influential people on social. So I think getting them involved in your pilot or your first launch is going to be essential. Um, and again, all they really need is a formal kind of process um, that's going to provide them with the training and the company policies and relevant content. And, and they're going to be a pretty hands-off share, you know, easy, go ahead, get them on the board and they're going to do their thing. So, right, social enthusiasts. So back to the social majority, right? So although a lot have relevant content, con, connections, excuse me. So although many uh, of the social majority have relevant connections on social media, which you're going to want to tap into, they're not going to be as driven as social enthusiasts. Um, they're not going to necessarily go the extra mile to share your content. And perhaps they're not even as active on social media. And so therefore, the best way to onboard the social majority is really by getting buy-in from leadership. Um, and exposing them to the results of the pilot program. So as I mentioned, in your pilot program, you want those social enthusiasts. They're going to help you build the first impression. And as you kind of roll out, that second wave is going to go, you're going to want to go after your social majority. But the best way to reach this crowd, so perhaps your VP marketing, your VP sales, your CEO, your CMO, 
get them involved in a kickoff, get them involved in a training, you know, script out for them what they would maybe need to say, but have their buy-in and show the average shows that you have the buy-in of the C-suite. Um, and you'll see, and they'll see that a healthy program is is contagious, right? Uh, they're going to want to be a part of it if they see more and more of the company being a part of it, which which makes sense, right? Um, and once the social majority see that advocacy works and they see people are bought in, again, they're not the first to be bought in, but once that they see that it's working, they're going to feel empowered by it. And the social savviness and the high energy, right, that, that we're seeing from the enthusiasts, it does eventually spread uh, like I said, <laughs> it's contagious um, throughout the organization and it will eventually motivate the social majority. Um, and I think that's that's magic, right? That's really where the magic happens. That's how you authentically and organically grow your program. Um, and then we're going to talk about the last category of, of that bell curve, which I've coined as social curmudgeons, right? So social curmudgeons, by definition, right? A curmudgeon is kind of like an ill-tempered, <laughs> uh, older person. Um, it's not meant to be offensive, uh, but I call them social curmudgeons. And I'm sure as I'm describing them, you can think about in your organization as you roll out this program and you're all excited about it, that you're going to pitch it to a team and that person or team is going to say like, well, nah, I don't really want to do this because I don't really care about social media or I'm not a marketer. This isn't my job. Or perhaps um, they don't really want to deal with another technology and they see it as burdensome to their current job, right? Marketing isn't their day job. I don't share content. This is your job. So I've got better things to worry about. I've got numbers to hit or people to hire or wherever it might be. And they're not really involved. Now, when I first introduced people to the idea of a social curmudgeon, right, we all laugh. But I think taking it a step further, launching a pilot program with social curmudgeons in it, I'm going to leave it up to you if you'd like to include some of them. But I think in the first go, I would likely leave out social curmudgeons, as I do think it has sometimes a negative impact on your whole program um, because their lack of enthusiasm can be equally as contagious as the enthusiasm of your social enthusiasts. And it can also trickle throughout the organization, demotivating employees and resulting uh, in kind of complete program failure from the get-go. And you don't want that. Now, so, so, so yes, I am advocating that in the first pilot, those 20 to 30 people or who you're onboarding first, try to steer clear of the social curmudgeons. But while they're not your first choice, I also advise you not to eliminate them from your program altogether. And going back to that mindset that not everybody's going to share 100% of the content that you share and be super enthusiastic about this program, you don't want to underestimate the social curmudgeons as you think about the longevity of your program, right? So this is only on who to onboard first. Again, I'm going to say it again. You want to get your social enthusiasts and your social majority on board in a pilot program. First impressions matter. We want enthusiasm to trickle down into the social majority. And we most likely will leave out the social curmudgeons in the first go. However, why I say don't underestimate the social curmudgeons is because those who work behind the scenes at your organization, such as in development and implementation in human resources, legal, so on and so on, right? They all have relevant audience that you're going to want to capitalize on eventually and reach with specific content. So at first go, right, your HR team 
makes a lot of sense. You're going to have open positions. They're very well connected to get the word out and you don't know who necessarily they're connected to. So even just for HR initiatives um, and new hires, it makes sense to have these social curmudgeons part of the program. Um, and perhaps how you measure them is a little bit different. We'll get into that in a moment. Um, so although this audience is not necessarily looking, right, the audience of, of the social curmudgeons is not necessarily looking to buy from your company, again, they may know someone uh, who would be relevant. Their audience, you never know who's in somebody's audience. Um, I'll never forget we were launching a program and there was some, we were after the pilot phase, we're going into like, we did the pilot and then we were going into kind of the next phase of like the next group of 50 people that we were going to incorporate. And so we were discussing like, should we bring on some social curmudgeons? And again, in our kind of in our strategy planning, we kind of had listed out like who are our advocate or our, our enthusiasts, who are our, you know, social majority and who are some of our curmudgeons. So in that first rollout, we did include three out of 50, right? Um, social curmudgeons. And again, the, the term is meant to be a, a, you know, lighthearted, but it was more of the people who were less enthusiastic about social. And they actually ended up sharing like one or two pieces of content um, um, in that quarter. And what was interesting to see was that the, the pieces of content that these implementation managers chose to share, they actually ended up getting more engagements, more reach, um, and more interaction than some of their um, social enthusiasts simply because these implementation managers were connected to very like-minded people um, in this specific customer's industry who were generating some conversations on their content. So even though these three individuals were only sharing like the most minimal amount of content, we were actually driving some pretty meaningful engagement through just these three individuals. And so the reason I share that story and, and, you know, caution not to underestimate them, the social curmudgeons, and not to count them out is that from the marketing side, when you're rolling out a program in the beginning, right, naturally you're going to need to show success of the program. And these social curmudgeons may take a little bit more time to warm up. But because employee advocacy is meant for all and is really meant to capture and get everybody in the organization involved in sharing something about the brand, uh, don't leave them out. And I'll also kind of end with, as we come you know, to the close of our show, and I know our finance clients absolutely love this phrase whenever we do advocacy trainings, um, right? But not only do you want to diversify the content on your board, but when it comes to rolling out a program, you're going to want to diversify your participants for an optimal, healthy program, right? So. Yes, when rolling out employee advocacy, absolutely tap into your social enthusiasts, right? Those are the social savvy, customer-facing employees. We love sales. Get them on your board and make them and help them become your main players. Once you've introduced the pilot program to your social enthusiasts, that's when you're then going to gradually onboard your social majority and slowly expand throughout the organization, right? Until perhaps you've achieved... Um, maximum employee, right? A hundred, I'll dare I say it, hundred percent employee advocacy. Uh, you know, everybody, you, you basically hit 
your entire invitation list in the program. And again, don't forget about some of the other roles. Uh, like the social curmudgeons, as you were allowed, you can pull a few in at a time, take a look and see how well do they resonate. You know, another example here of a social curmudgeon, I had someone on our team who actually never shared. Ironic, right? We're Octopus, we're a social media management platform. But again, they fell into that social curmudgeon category. They weren't quite comfortable uh, posting on social. They were not in sales. They were kind of behind the scenes. And we helped them get involved. Uh, we, by the marketing team and myself, and they don't share as much as our, you know, our sales team. But when they do share, it's quite meaningful. So in other words, don't panic if some employees are not sharing tons and tons of content, right? The key is to diversify the types of personalities that you bring on board. You also want to remember that employee advocacy is helping to showcase and put your brand front and center. So if the more diverse your program is, the more um, diverse um, your presence will look across social. Take time to understand the role of every advocate, right? A healthy program is going to really include your social enthusiasts, the social majority and social curmudgeons and bring them together under one big umbrella. And as you diversify this program, and I'll leave this for the last food for thought, um, but we've helped um, you know some organizations measure this by as you category the three different types of personas in your program, perhaps quarter over quarter, you could start measuring uh, how many of your social majority participants move into the social enthusiast space and how many of your social curmudgeons are moving up into the um, you know, uh, social majority space. And you can do this in you know, a number of different ways. Uh, perhaps you can classify them by how many pieces of content they share or how active they are on social media. And then when you see them crossing a specific threshold, you move them up. And then of course, when you report up to your C-suite and they see kind of this... Um, more and more and more uh, participants sharing more and more and more, right? It's just another way to measure the program. So I hope you found that helpful. Um, and again, employee advocacy is probably one of my favorite topics and building that healthy program and, and you know, who to onboard. There's a lot more to talk about. So if any of you listening in are embarking on uh, employee advocacy program, are looking for solutions, are not quite sure uh, who to onboard first, how to run a kickoff, uh, how to do a sales enablement training to get your sales team on board, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can reach me at jen at octopost.com. You can also reach me uh, on LinkedIn and I'd be happy to continue the employee advocacy conversation. So until next year, I look forward uh, to seeing everyone once more, wishing everybody a safe and happy new year. Thanks for tuning in to the Radically Transparent podcast brought to you by Octopost, the only social media management and employee advocacy platform architected for B2B. I'm Jennifer Gutman, your host and director of social strategy here at Octopost. And if you love today's show, we'd love if you subscribe, rate, and give a raving review wherever you get your podcasts. For more discussion on B2B social media marketing, be sure to follow Octopost on LinkedIn. And of course, to gain access to all our free social media marketing and employee advocacy resources, head on over to our website, www.octopost.com. Until next time.